welcome to the founders of Web3 series by Outlier Ventures and me, your host, Jamie Burke. Together, we're going to meet the entrepreneurs, their backers, and the leading policymakers that are shaping Web3. Together, we're going to try to define what is Web3, explore its nuances, and understand the mission and purpose that drive its founders. If you enjoy what you hear, please do subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission that is Web3. Today, I'm really happy to welcome on Angela Kreitenweiss, co-founder of the Token Engineering Community and Token Engineering Academy. Welcome, Angela. Hi, pleased to be here. So uh, the Token Engineering Community is dedicated to the field of crypto economics, and we're going to get into exactly what that means. I would describe it as how cryptographically secure programmable tokens could be used as incentives and disincentives to coordinate these distributed or decentralized systems. How the hell would you describe it? Because everyone has their own kind of interpretation. Absolutely. Basically, yes, this is about tokens. uh, But since we consider tokens as the atomic unit of state in a system that is describing a system, uh, tokens can also make all socioeconomic interactions in a system make it visible, and then also steerable. And this is why we consider token engineering not only as designing tokens and incentives, but designing the entire cryptoeconomic systems with all its value flows, with all its policies, restrictions, limitations, the action space, the incentives that are optimizing towards a certain goal, and then also the steering of such systems, applying systems engineering, complex systems, science, and economics when it comes to economic mechanisms, game theory, and so on. So it's actually as being a counterpart in software development, the code, systems engineering, and token engineering developing these economic systems and the science of it. Yeah, and you mentioned a number of different disciplines there. So this is a cross-disciplinary field. That's one of the things that makes it both complex and also quite intimidating to a lot of people trying to navigate the space. But I think the thing that really stands out for me, I think it was explained to me by Trent McConaughey of Ocean Protocol, also um, one of the kind of early leaders within the token engineering community, that the reason why engineering principles are important is um, we need to begin to think of this new financial infrastructure as public infrastructure, and therefore it needs to be as safe as a bridge or a road or any of these things where, from a safety perspective, you, you need to kind of minimize uh, risk. And, and that kind of really brought home to me why, why just applying startup principles, lean startup principles, and this kind of move fast and break stuff might actually be quite counterproductive in in this space. I don't know if you see it in the same way. Yeah, totally. So basically, we are drawing a lot from engineering disciplines, be it mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and then also robotics and dynamical systems. So those disciplines have been uh, familiar with public infrastructure for not only decades, for centuries. So, so the, there are scientific societies who established uh, ethical codes, engineering ethics in the 19th century. And this was because you need a certain expertise for building a bridge and for making sure that a bridge is safe for the public, basically. And you need um, knowledge and you want to make sure that people are building such infrastructure have the appropriate knowledge. Now, in the past, it has been national authorities, also such societies, establishing such codes and regulation around it. But in Web3, it's it's different, right? We want to have those permissionless networks and we want to have also user agency. But what does it mean when we talk about user agency? If systems are so complex and so interconnected, look at DeFi and composability risks, What does it mean to maintain ethics for the safety 
for, pu for public good without having these national institutions. So we need new social institutions. And therefore, the aim of our community is not only to build tools and to program, but also to discuss and establish a new engineering ethic for cryptoeconomic systems. And there we actually can draw from uh, a wide range of processes, methods, for example, simulating edge cases, stress testing that have been applied for decades and um, which we can now again use for cryptoeconomic systems. I knew this is going to be a fascinating podcast. We've, we've not even really got, got started yet, but I think that thinking that if we are really building a parallel alternative or, or emergent financial system, how we don't build in systemic risk that could collapse the whole global economy, right? If it, if it becomes big enough, should be the, the mindset that people are bringing into the space mm. when they're thinking about these tokenized systems, which perhaps uh, ha has not always been true. Um, so I, again, I think this is a really good example of why we've got you on the show. So you're at the heart of the European ecosystem, uh, in particular the Berlin ecosystem, but of course, you know, um, the token engineering community is, is very global now. Um, and of course, blockchain and decentralization is, is too. But I think you've really been at the core of building out the, the European uh, community mm. around blockchain, uh, predating even specifically what you've been doing with token engineering. And you've got this really interesting and rich background in helping enterprise and startups with both business model innovation and design, um, but also this data-led approach to product development. And I can see how a lot of that becomes very relevant in this emergent field of, of crypto economics. I've had the privilege to engage with you through a number of different things, some of which we're gonna highlight a little bit later. Um, and of course, Outlier helped participate in, in some of the things that were going on with Tag since its inception. But the key reason why I wanted you on the show was, you know, we've got this accelerator, we have tens of startups going through it each year, and all of them, are as they're entering web3 are debating you know should i use a token or not if i should when and you know what process might i apply to both design test and and then launch and of course then iterate it's not an easy thing to answer so i really want to kind of pick your brains on on some of the methodology and thinking to help founders who'd be listening to this um navigate the space yeah. and it's incredibly daunting and complex you know I, I spoke at your tag conference I think it was last year or the year before That's I can't right. remember and you know I'm often on stage thinking why the hell am I here you know that the brain trust that's in that room is is very intimidating and the complexity to which they understand or exploring the domain is often well above my my pay grade so hopefully we can make this accessible to, to startups and especially kind of non-technical founders? I think we are now at a stage where, luckily enough, tokens are not only considered as an instrument for crowdfunding your project, but way beyond it. And at the same time, then there's a lot of, I'd say, uncertainty on, okay, how to exactly do that. Yeah, but happy to, to provide an overview. So before we do that, let's just give some context to, to who you are and your background. Because again, I think... Uh, it will become obvious why you're very well positioned, I think, to, to be representing this domain and, and potentially what led you to become a co-founder for that uh, community. So as I understand it, your kind of educational background, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the institution that you, you came from, but back in, I uh, graduated in 2002 and you were working on human computer interaction and human uh, user-centered design. Could you pronounce the name of that institution for me to save me embarrassing myself? Uh, it uh, was uh, the Fachhochschule in Schwäbisch Gmünd. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saving me. Uh, and you, you did a number of things. The first kind of main big project that you did 2004 when you came out there was the Hearts uh, 4 calculator, which was uh, working for one of Germany's most important labor unions at a period where reforms were happening in, in the labor market and you helped them develop a calculator, which ended up being nominated for a German design award. Then in 2003 to 2012, you did 
a number of user experience, design and product management type roles with increasing seniority, uh, kind of ending up at D-Labs, uh, Hasso Platner Venture, founded in 2006. Uh, and this was really where I guess you started to work with a lot of enterprise, but also startups around these kind of design thinking methodology. And I believe it was one of the first organizations in the world to apply design thinking methods to digital product development. So you worked with a a number of clients, uh, SAP, Zing, Eon, and you kind of kept that pathway. So you went to Axel Springer Plug and Play Accelerator. Axel Springer's the largest, I think still largest media player in uh, Germany, where you were a startup mentor. Again, focusing on customer research and applying data to solve for problem solution fit, but also monetization. You then did a lot of work around uh, as a UX consultant, again, with a mixture of startups and and large enterprise. And uh, then you ended up uh, continuing to do some starter mentorship stuff um, at NameHub Realm. Uh, And I think that that was the first time I can see a crypto blockchain project on your resume. So it was Satoshi Pay. Micropayments was that was that the first exposure to? to a I think so, and I I, I remember our, our conversation on on user adoption for these crypto thing, and I, I think at the, at that point I didn't even realize what this exactly is. <laughs> True, but it was my my actually my first project. I I was collaborating with somewhere between 2013 2018 i'm sure it's probably as much of a blur for you as it as it was for me and you then went on to work kind of this community role really building a number of community initiatives and events increasingly around blockchain and crypto so i think the first one was um the startup energy transition tech festival i believe i was at that one in berlin i can't remember yeah and trent was there and we had really in 2018 we had the first workshop on the potential of tokens. And I, I invited people like Trent and Elad Verben, WePower, uh, Neufund at this point. And I was expecting that they can literally, that we have this discussion around, okay, the uh, from zero to 100 potential of tokens. And, and everybody was telling me, really, we had our first ICOs and it's just, we don't know that much about how to do it, actually. <laughs> very early days but what was amazing was that wasn't just like a a general initiative around tokens it was you basically mobilized the energy industry you had a very large number of energy companies there um which was quite amazing that that of all industries you managed to get the energy industry to be in a room talking about tokens and you did we are developers conference after that 2019 which is a major developer web developer conference and then the first tag conference so token engineering global gathering uh, happened in 2019 which was a modest affair uh, but still you know I, I think really showed the depth of the brain trust of disciplines so in 2018 you, you formed the um, token engineering community 2019 was when you did the, the first conference right yeah, right. And uh, 2019 was actually the, fir- uh, the third global gathering of token engineering people. And so there have been the first one in New York in 2018 and then a second one in October. And the aim there for the tag is to bring together people in the crypto space working on token economies and then crypto economics uh, in academia. So crypto researchers, uh, behavioral scientists, economists, complex systems people. And our goal is to bring together uh, research and practitioners. So the field of the, the areas, the disciplines that need to come together is really wide. And also practitioners need to draw from scientific research and vice versa if academia wants to keep pace with technological developments they need this input and inspiration from from the practitioners in crypto so what was it that when did that shift happen where you dedicated yourself specifically to token engineering because it seemed like in a relatively short space of time you went from working with your first blockchain project to not only 
being involved in, let's say, the ICO mania, which is where most people's attention went to. That's where all the money was flowing to. But you you went down the, the rabbit hole of wanting to kind of um, have a more considered approach to tokenization. Can you just talk yeah. through that journey? How did you arrive at that, that point? Totally. I mean, as you mentioned, my background is UX and I have been for years, I have been working in early stage projects and startups, uh, defining the value proposition, finding problem solution fit and product market fit. And whoever has experienced this journey knows that, that this is really, it's a hard nut to crack product market fit and uh, there are many surprising twists along along this journey in okay how users react in uh, first you thought it it's a b2c product you end up with a b2b product you need to uh, reshape your strategy this to me was always interesting and exciting so when when technology meets human behavior and how how it also influences our our perception of the world and our, our own capabilities. And so I did this for four years. Then also for Energy Innovation Hub, where we had uh, venture development and then also startup investments. And so I was well very familiar with this early stage and with this value proposition thing, exploring uh, yeah, how, how your future customers react on your product. When I saw tokens, first for this, for me, as for, for anybody else, this is a new technology, blockchain. And then I, I digged a little bit into it, saw some people speaking about it. And then I guess I, I heard also trends talk on can blockchains go rogue and blockchains as an incentive machine. And then looking at this, okay, you could have tokens. You, you are able to design incentives. You are able to shape a system in a way that it's automatically optimizing towards a certain purpose. And this purpose can go beyond profit maximization. It can also include and cover sustainability. It can cover appreciation for value contributions that are beyond money, like knowledge, or like coding, or like connecting people. This is an entire new universe. And this is so far beyond what we can do with digital products today. Having this bilateral relationship of, okay, buyer and seller. This was mind-blowing to me. And, and for me then, this was clear, if with Everything I've learned so far, it, it, okay, I can apply it to digital products, but what if I apply it to tokens? And this was the moment where I decided, okay, I want to go 100% in, and I want to also want to see this discipline. Then I realized, okay, we are at the very beginning, and it's not, I think uh, you don't have the chance to take part in creating a new discipline in your lifetime frequently, right? Perhaps not only once. And this was when I thought, okay, now or never, right? And yeah, so we started the token engineering community in 2018, started with meetups, then did this global gatherings. The community was growing really quickly. At some point we had 18 meetup groups in 13 different countries. At the moment, we have meetups where we have people from 70 countries participating. And it also goes beyond blockchain with this vision of what about the economies of the future? And this is also really inspiring and encouraging. Yeah, and I think what, I mean, firstly, I'm glad that you, you, you did take that journey because it's really given a shot into the arm to the space it's acted as a kind of lightning rod for a lot of the community to, to mobilize around. And the, the kind of global nature is also really encouraging because I think, you know, if we're thinking about creating systems genuinely about inclusion, then mm -hmm. they need to be more diverse, not just in terms of the people that use them, but the people that are designing and, and building them. So I don't know if you could talk about, you know, that, that kind of mission around diversity that's also at the heart of the community and how you're seeing that manifest. First, I think diversity in terms of disciplines, as we already mentioned, 
uh, there is technology involved, engineering, economics, human behavior. Then we have also, let's say, the, the wider area we need to cover with token system when it comes to law, a new definition of global contracts and agreements, and also those new institutions I was talking about. This, these are philosophical questions. These are questions of forming new kinds of organizations and governments. So this is the area of variety in terms of disciplines. Then, of course, we have the variety of challenges we observe in this world. I think it's already pretty obvious uh, for blockchain that we have different, let's say, a different mindset or perhaps a different flavor in the ecosystems like looking at US, East Coast finance sector, DeFi space, then Europe with, uh, I'd say, a, a little bit different, wider definition of, of uh, use cases. And then, uh, of course, we have a really active community in South America and Africa working on community currencies. New, form, new currencies that are dedicated to spur off the economic activity and sustainable in, in particular communities with particular challenges. And then also combining them for making them more stable. These are typical challenges there. And then we have the gaming sector in Asia and so on and so forth. So uh, in terms of challenges, we have a broad variety. And then also in terms of people in our community. So I realized just recently uh, we were running our first course for the Token Engineering Academy and, and people noticed that we have, let's say, my, myself as being the organizer there, it's a woman. And the, the key instructor, Shebnam, again, a woman. Um, this, is, this is unusual in this sector. And uh, what I think we have a nice mix in our token uh, engineering community um, of all genders also bringing their point of view to the sector. Uh, and, and this is not only, let's say, the, okay, the soft stuff uh, is provided by female contributors. We have brilliant math um, people, legal people like Nina Siedler working on legal questions for blockchain. Shruti Apia, she's a data scientist and complex systems engineer working on, on the hot nuts to crack in math. Then Cassidy Dali, she's a, a token engineer and cryptoeconomic researcher mm -hmm. at, at Centrifuge and Shabnam and Sherman Foschmir, not to forget founding the Cryptoeconomics Research Lab. So I think we have a great mix of people and a great mix of perspectives. And I think that, that you can see it and feel it. I also hope that we will be able to leverage this in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important because if you look at how, you know, Silicon Valley and this kind of free market libertarianism that has been at the center of how many of these, the ethos of many of the companies that have come on to dominate global economies and societies, I think the idea that there could be alternatives to that that might emerge through these tokenized systems is really interesting rather than you know, the entire web being driven from one ecosystem um, with kind of one, one philosophy or approach to markets and, and society. So let's get into maybe some of the methodology. So we, we kind of understand some of the disciplines that are involved, but in terms of the methodology that's being developed um, within the token engineering community. Could mm -hmm. you talk us through the, the, the steps and processes and stages of that? Yeah. And then I guess towards the end of that, it would be good to start to understand as a founder, you know, how I engage with this methodology and, and mm. could begin to determine whether a token is relevant for me or not. Maybe first, let's start with an overview on, on the typical token engineering process, because I think uh, that that helps to understand when you do what. So first, you, you start with, I think that's, that's happening in all kinds of projects, you start with defining your ecosystem, uh, design your ecosystem, who are the stakeholders, what are the interactions, what are the assets that are brought into the ecosystem and exchanged uh, between stakeholders, what are the capabilities, and last but not least, what are the motivations of stakeholders that I can foster with incentives. 
I wouldn't say you can create motivations, but you can uh, support or um, leverage motivations. After your, your initial design that feels, I guess, pretty familiar for people who have ever used the business model canvas or a platform design toolkit. So after you have this first vision of your ecosystem, you start then with developing a dynamic model because you need to define the interactions in detail, what's happening, what's going on, what is transferred between stakeholders in, in what event. So these are the policies, the rules of your game in a way, and also the economic mechanisms. What are the incentives, game theory, um, also the, the financial and the monetary uh, policy of your system. So building on taxes, building on dilution, uh, what is the initial distribution of your token, and so on and so forth. And once you've sorted out this, you go back to first, first iterations, you go back to your ecosystem design and, and see, okay, can this work out? Ideally, you validate it with your stakeholders. And, and uh, this is the moment where you perhaps would have a beta version in place where you can, where you can simply validate does this work out? Do we have gaps, uh, weaknesses, uh, things where, where this doesn't work? Or is it simply, can, can I really gain traction with this proposal? Anybody interested? Do you mean validation in a lab environment or out in the wild? Would you, because okay. I guess the big question, I mean, and this is only just one part of, of the process, right? Okay. At what point does this move from being theoretical to mm -hmm. actually being tested or validated somehow in, in the wild. Yeah, at this early stage, as we see it with, with early stage startups as well. So there, there is this unstructured validation, uh, I'd say, where you can see if how your community reacts. Also, conversations with your future users, not only an excited blockchain community, but your actual users in the future, be it businesses, be it individuals, how they react. And then there is, of course, this is still a lab situation and it's hard to create the real conditions in, at this stage, but we've uh, found, interestingly enough, role games, a game like Le Grand Jeu, it's, it's kind of a very flexible game setup where you can play out the rules you've designed in the first place with your stakeholders. And this, this is beneficial for both sides. So you can get feedback for, uh, from stakeholders on their behavior, on how, also how they understand those rules and their own role in this setup. And on the other hand, in a game, you are forced to define the rules of your game, of your crypto economic system. And this helps to be clear about what you are designing here, where you still have gaps. So you can, there are tools or frameworks that, that help to verify and validate in this early stage. And, and still, which is a particular challenge here, keep get a handle of complexity, which means you have various components, you might have various components in your system, a range of stakeholders, various mechanisms that are coming to play and you need to zoom in and zoom out to verify your assumptions on your system. One of the things about, this is where one of the ways engineering comes into play is that you mentioned complexity, you're looking to remove complexity. So actually you're looking for simplicity say, that you can optimize for, like an optimization function? Or? No, I wouldn't say remove complexity because, or get, get rid of complexity. That's actually not the point. It's rather embracing complexity. So first, if you are a token engineer, you need to accept and basically you need to love complexity because look at the systems we already have today in crypto. There are, I mean, we have basic mechanisms like a market making mechanism. Then you have various stakeholders around it with all trying to achieve particular goals and then adding or combining various systems, not only your own product or your own system, but external ones, then 
adding, uh, let's say, bots and certain behavior that you can't control, then in addition to that, you have a market environment and all kinds of trends around it. Uh, you have additionally regulation, second party markets and so on and so forth. So I think this reducing complexity is actually the opposite we want to achieve. It's rather how to handle complexity, how to handle interconnectedness. And um, I think this requires tools, frameworks, and also it requires a certain mindset and it requires, um, a, let's say, methods and a way, a, a certain culture, I'd say, a certain culture of developing such systems and then being aware of risk, being aware of complexity and deal with it in an active way. And so is a token ever complete? Or is this idea that you would be constantly iterating and then does that then require the appropriate governance to allow for that iteration? Yes and no. So as we have um, decentralized systems running automatically, it doesn't really make sense to launch MVP tokens because you first you might not be aware just launching it you, you might not have any tools that help you tracking what's going on and you might not be aware of things that go wrong uh, until it's it's really worst case and second it's hard to change them on a daily basis like you, you can update um, a digital product a customer interface on a daily basis for pro protocols it's different in particular for permissionless protocols. And then you can also say, but yeah, now um, governance turned out to be quickly in emergency cases as well, but still how to prepare for governance decisions, how to make sure that people are really have all information they need to make a good decision. So I'd say updating tokens is harder and takes longer than updating an MVP. And therefore it's, I'd say, okay, make your token design at a single point as complete as possible and as bulletproof as possible. And on the other hand, um, any token will emerge over or emerge the, the, the particular attributes of a token will emerge over time. The utility of a token will emerge over time. So you might start with a very limited functionality and then add additional functionality or an ecosystem of additional tokens around it. Like, uh, I, I guess in 2018, it was more about, okay, you have your, this was also about investing in a token, then betting on growing utility and thus growing value. Uh, so this was the philosophy to have one token and a lot of utility piled on it, but then you have also a very, let's say, you are building very complex, complex dependencies in, in a single token, whereas today we see trading tokens or work tokens and then governance tokens enabling different, different kinds of utility and being separated from, another, from each other. So I think, yes, a token, the attributes and the utility of a token will grow over time and it makes sense to start small and then evolve it over time. But once you are launching a token or a version of a token, you need to be very clear about the system design and, and the design of this, uh, of this piece, new piece in your system. So as you said, um, you kind of alluded to this distinction between a token that operates at the protocol layer versus elsewhere in the stack. So I guess that could be middleware, it could be the application layer. As you say, previously there'd been a lot of focus or at least momentum primarily around that protocol layer. And there was a lot of faith put into this idea of the FAT protocol thesis that somehow more value would accrue at the protocol layer versus the application layer compared to the inverse of Web2. Now, of course, that's evolved. It was a gross simplification, and I don't think anybody took it literally. But how do you see this playing out now? What do you believe that there is 
a role for a token at the application layer? And if so, is it more limited? Would it be as easy to roll out as a digital product? What are the nuances between deeper down in the stack and higher up? I think, I mean, I don't see that there is a particular reason that the, uh, that the token's capabilities are limited on the application layer side in general. But I don't see that much interesting concepts at the moment for application layer tokens. And the concepts I see are pretty much replicating tokens as a voucher, tokens to get a discount, so typical Web2 concepts. I think what we are seeing on the protocol level or, uh, or let's say dedicated service layer protocols uh, where we have a token design and a protocol that is designed for a particular, let's say, maybe emerging industry like data or like DeFi or others, hopefully, in the future. There, I think, at least what I'm seeing today, we have the opportunities and the ambition to design really mechanisms beyond what we are already familiar with in Web2. And this is what I'm talking about. This You can design a system that optimizes towards a particular goal, and this is not necessarily profit maximization. And I think that's, in most people will think of tokens in the context of crypto, and this is really just a, a speculative asset. I think there's still a large amount of people that, rightly or wrongly, will dismiss tokens, largely because they see what's evidenced around them rather than necessarily potential. But what are you seeing? What are the use cases today where you can fight off that skepticism and you can point to a functioning token economy? Now you're pointing to, okay, um, show me user adoption. And I believe if then I'll understand if token engineering or token systems can be a relevant thing in the future. And I think I think a lot of the activity is currently eaten up by DeFi and okay, there are interesting experiments going on uh, also for token engineering to see how how governance uh, can be designed in the future or how also token launches and, and adoption distribution can be designed in the future. However, I don't see... At the moment, in terms of adoption, I think we are, uh, yeah, it, it's not the, the most exciting time at the moment. And I, I also think this is particularly hard for protocols with really, really visionary and, and uh, great ambitions. They might be struggling. But what I'd like to give you one example where I see uh, where this could led to. I was in touch with a really great startup uh, in the last couple of weeks. It's called Batteries. It's a really great startup, great founders uh, with a perfect background for this case. And this is about the second life cycle of car batteries, e-vehicles. So you know, there's this range anxiety and car producer guarantees that uh, if your storage capacity drops below 70%, then your battery gets replaced. But what to do with all those batteries that have been removed? These are valuable resources. Uh, I think 2025 storage capacity is beyond 200 gigawatt hours. So it's just too valuable to dispose. And their vision is to have the second life cycle of a battery and to use them to replace, for example, um, diesel generators or small vehicles to extend the reach of mini-grids and so on. Now, we have been discussing how could a token-based solution look like? And they say, okay, today we would simply, we would buy the batteries from a car producer and then we would sell it to the second life cycle users. But everybody who is active in this sector, developing countries knows, okay, this buying and selling, it's hard to gain traction. And there you have models like pay-per-use now, how could a token solve this? First of all, the car producer would be able to remain the owner of a battery. And therefore, throughout the lifecycle benefit, for example, from carbon offset credits, 
benefit from the paper use or finally benefit from recycling the raw materials, which will become a business or which is actually a growing business. And then the second life cycle uses, there you have a rental models and you can design incentives to recycle. And then suddenly you're looking at business models or ecosystem models that are covering an asset's whole life cycle and is connecting the various stakeholders in the system and then can drive activity, secure transactions and push out incentives towards optimization, for example, on, okay, we want, to, to, so the final goal is to recycle this battery and get the raw materials into the life cycle starting from step one. And designing such business models wasn't possible without tokens. And if I say, okay, what, what are really interesting models, then it's exactly this. You can design entirely new kinds of economic ecosystems. And in areas where we really need that, we can't make progress anymore with, the, with our current means. And this is the most exciting field, my point of view. And then, of course, it, it makes sense to use blockchain. And then, of course, it makes sense to build on everything we've learned so far in crypto, but also go beyond what we might see today in projects. So uh, let's just delve into that use case a little bit more and, and try to unpack exactly how what a token unlocks that, that previously might might not have been possible. So I guess the starting point is, is that something like this is a really good fit with blockchain generally because of its ability to account for value flow and accrual in a distributed system, people that might not trust one another, and that can be auditable, as you say, for tax credits or whatever else, other kind of incentives that the government might want to roll out there. But could you talk about, so in, in this example, is there one token and that token is a digital twin? Or could you see a multi-token system? How, how I know it's theoretical, but how might that look? Yeah, of course. Uh, on one hand, you need this unit of uh, for accounting, the let's say the battery capacity to be able to monitor it throughout the life cycle when you're driving the car, when you are charging, also to track capacity uh, and then for the second life cycle. And then also you need to track lo location or ownership in a way that might be combined. And then you might have pay per use. And this can also be tied to a token, but perhaps not the same token because there you have different requirements, right? It's not only about tracking, it's also about stability and value, uh, about exchange rates. It might be tied to a certain community, so it, it, a limited way of using it. Then you need to define, should it be tradable on a secondary market? Should it not be tradable? Is it a, a global unit like Libra? Or is it a unit to pay in a, in a certain ecosystem for for these batteries, for example, only? These are the questions that you have in this area. And then, of course, when it comes to incentives, for example, for the raw materials, you might need um, a combination, right? To, you need to have this accounting and tracking of the batteries and the materials. But at the same time, you might need to onboard additional services, industries with their own dynamics to then incentivize the recycling of such uh, of the raw materials and bring it back to the first life cycle. So, I mean, just, uh, just from discussing those three levels, you see, okay, there, there are certain dynamics. You might want to separate them, rather have different tokens, and then there are other goals you might want to achieve where it makes sense to combine it in one token. And so presumably, you know, you're, you're taking that market design approach. So you're looking at the marketplace, you're looking at the stakeholders, you're looking at the interactions, value flow, behaviors, misbehaviors. Presumably, there would be a starting point. So you would identify the most base function 
within that system and then mm -hmm. you then might add functionality but that functionality is likely not going to be added to the token it will be added by an additional token is that a okay so referring to okay how could this development process look like uh, just shooting some uh, scenarios i would here we would definitely start with uh, the users and and this basic second life cycle use case of let's say place a diesel generator and there you you need to sort out okay uh, if we have a pay per use model would there be a deficit? Who are the users uh, using, uh, using these battery packs? Can they handle a token? Not only in terms of are they able to handle their private keys, but also uh, smartphones, access to, to the internet, transactions, the number of transactions, performance. And most likely this would be the first area of exploration and then design the token. When to pay what, pricing, um, maybe you need to have kind of services around it for maintenance um, and then building revenue streams. And then you start with the second area that might be the car producers and then this accounting from the first life cycle to the second life cycle. So um, like you, okay, you start with the center of, of your ecosystem and then build additional layers around it. And then there might be the third layer with, uh, with the raw materials. So over years and not only months or weeks, this will be a development and verification of, okay, this is the, the design, these are the mechanisms, these are the stakeholders. Is this working well, product market fit, and then build on top of it. And this is why also, because I haven't had the chance, I mentioned two steps in the process, token engineering. What we do after dynamic and economic model design is then building the digital twin. So you build uh, a, a digital representation of your system and most likely not the entire system. This is way too complex. The key parts of your system and you, you build it in like there's this awesome framework we have available today, open source CatCat. You, it's a Python-based framework. You run then simulations of your system design, adding agent behavior, and uh, try out. Okay, this is my this is my action space. These are the rules. Now, if I add agent behavior, where does the system break? How can I optimize it? Uh, do I need to refine the policies? And only then you implement it and run it in production, and then are able. This is this is also a very nice thing. You are able to collect data, real-world data, and feed it back into your digital twin to refine it and to have, again, as a, as a new, I would say, a key asset for a web-free startup, have this digital twin of your system and refine it over and over again to have this version to test your system that is customized and that represent, basically, the essence of the value of your system in terms of knowledge and experience. And th this, can't be, this can't be duplicated and this, this can't be easily copied. This is just unique. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I guess ultimately that digital twin, the more it's refined, almost the more mass it, it, it kind of builds up, the, its gravity increases and it's likely to kind of pull in more, more value flow. And you, as you say, you have these kind of layers that grow around it or on top of it from an ecosystem perspective so i mean i i personally totally buy into this idea of almost a token for everything optimizing for very specific things but interplaying in a in, in a much mm. kind of bigger complex system but for me the only way that can happen is if we increasingly devolve responsibility so when we talk about an agent-based system Mm -hmm. um, we we actually devolve agency to a digital representative to act in our interests on our behalf in an automated way. Because otherwise, the complexity of mm. interacting with all these tokens as a person, the overload, the mental load is too great, right? For it to be convenient. You say, okay, there there is this spot, the vision of the bots operating 
and representing uh, their, let's say, the individual's objectives and then acting in a certain system. Yes, I mean, um, okay, blockchain systems are perfectly suited for all kinds of automated and AI bots activity. And thus, it's, it's a, a great playground for the finance sector because they already have those tools. Um, fine. And in, I think in many cases, for example, in particular for steering the systems, for saying, okay, we not only try to automize it, but also to dynamically and autonomously adapt in certain circumstances where we need to be really quick and it's, it's on a global scale. There it makes sense. Nevertheless, I think there, I see a certain tension with user agency because then, number one, there might be cases where a bot's reaction is simply not appropriate because all kinds of unforeseen cases a bot is not programmed for. And this is what happened on Crypto Black Thursday, to give one example. Um, this is number one. And number two, I'm not sure if, if we then talking about representing individual users' agency. Because I'm not sure if, we, if every individual is able to run a bot in the near future, is able to program and optimize a bot in the future. And, and then this is it's again limiting um, adoption and limiting also this, this vision of having a permissionless system. Maybe to kind of wrap up, do you think that the, one of the constraints to the complexity that we could see in token economies is is the ability for any individual or organization to interact with it it, it can only be as complex as it is possible mm. from a ux perspective to, to actually manage yeah i think i see it like this i i'd love to see um uh, really making web free available and valuable for every single individual at the same time, we need to handle complexity. And yes, there is complexity. There is much more complexity than in traditional digital products. But then this is about governance and new social institutions. It is also about responsibility. And I see new social institutions that are securing those systems and making them valuable for as many as possible this is the new role of the DAOs and the decentralized systems in the future. This is not only about, it's fun to make decisions, it's really about bridging this gap between complexity and an individual user. Well, what a great way to end. I mean, this is one of those podcasts that we could have done for two, three hours, and we're just going to have to get you back on to go into some of the specifics like a DAO or governance but people can engage with you. You also found a CEO of name, nameconceptopia.io, which is where you engage, consult with blockchain projects on partnerships, uh, funding, presumably crypto economic design. So people can contact you there. Angela, it's been great having you on the show. We're going to have to get you back on again soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.